Hey everyone, I hope you had a great day and great week since uh, I last did the big cast number two. Today is number three and I decided to do things a little bit differently. I just decided to do a conversation with uh, my buddy Patrick Haggard, also known as Stereo Image, that's gonna do uh, a release on my label. And I thought it would be a good thing to talk about music production, some techniques that he used for his album and uh, nerd out uh, together because we do that usually without any camera filming so I thought it would be nice to maybe share a little bit of how we do it and what we talk about and uh, you'll see that we both love dub techno and dub in general so um, that will be a bit of the topic of today as well as uh, some uh, other things that we love about music production such as plug-in use and uh, yeah talking especially about reverbs you know how much I love reverbs so have a listen Patrick thanks for uh, joining me this week uh, I'm not gonna talk I, I, I know I just told you that but it's for people listening to the podcast I'm not gonna talk for an hour this week I it's tiring and I'm not sure if it's relevant so <laughs> you and I are gonna have a talk we're gonna discuss uh, We've been collaborators for years and we work together on different things. And you're someone I enjoy discussing music and life and anything in between. So um, I thought I would uh, pick your brain. And awesome. Bring it on. Thanks for having me on the show, man. You're welcome. I like that you say show. It's like, it sounds yeah. great. It is. It's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, my, my show. <laughs> Um, it just got real <laughs> it just got real it, it needed like two first podcasts as preparation and now we're, we are officially on so um this week i wanted to talk about creativity because that's what we do last week we were talking about the importance of finding quality sounds i kind of want to follow up on that and uh First off, people don't know this already, but you are going to release an album on my label in, yeah, um, in a bit more than a month now. And uh, so do you want to... Actually, a month today. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, so do you, you want to talk about it? To this, it'll be less than a month. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> and we will, uh, we will have like a, a little uh, snippet, the preview of your album uh, during the, the podcast. I would like to know um, if you could talk about your creative process of that album. It's it's very nice. Um, yeah, sure. Um, so, I, I it's kind of uh, a dialogue I have with you, man. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> like you sent me the Sensibility um, album, and I was like, oh, it's cool. I like that. Uh, <laughs> oh you mean I, like a, a conversation a dialogue in terms of music yeah yeah it's kind okay. of just like a, a response to like hmm. me listening to that like the, as soon as I heard that I was like oh yeah dope I want to try and do that <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it ended up it doesn't sound at all like sensibility but like it ended up having its own flavor but like mm -hmm uh yeah it's it's kind of like i don't know it's a dialogue i have with you and 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 it's um it's fun because i'm kind of like trying to um have other people influence this album as much as possible so i actually i didn't title any of the 
um, album tracks or the name of the album. It was actually an old friend of mine uh, from elementary school that's been like listening to my music for like a decade now. And, uh, and I just like, I sent him the album and I was like, hey, I don't have any titles. Do you want a title? <laughs> and and like, I, I just told myself like, whatever it's gonna be, is gonna be. And, uh, and it was like a really cool experiment because uh, just giving up that creative freedom to someone and having them listen to what you did and, and interpret it, uh, see what their interpretation was, you know? And, um, and he gave it back and I was like, oh, it was awesome. It was a concept and everything. I was like, oh, this is amazing. This was a great idea. <laughs> I love that you are open. You know, that's, I could come up with like a lot of explanation, but I will sum it up by you're open. That's how it sounds. You're open to possibilities. And, you know, like when working on an album, it's, it, you, you don't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to make an album, right? Do you see where you were in control and when you were not in control of your creative flow? I would say for this project, I did wake up and say, <laughs> I'm going to make an album. <laughs> but it was not it was, made that day. That's what I mean. No, 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 no. It didn't happen in one day. Um, it was it was a pretty consistent um, time span. It, it happened pretty quickly. And it was like about like a track a day. Um, like, I don't know, I'm going to say 80% of what the track is. So I had a, I had a workflow. So first I create, and, and that's kind of what I do with most of my projects is like, I'll create the workflow and a vague description of the kind of like mood and sound genre I'm going for. And then once, but the workflow is usually fairly strict. Um, and the mood and genre and all that, I can experiment with a little bit more. And then once I have that workflow, then, then I get cracking. And um, for this one, is it was like, I just, I set myself on about, it was three, three synths VSTs and a handful of uh, plugin effects that I wanted to use and just like techniques of how I was going to set it up. So um, most of the tracks were just like one, I don't know if, if you guys are into Ableton, it was all on one scene. So all the different layers were all just on one clip. And on that clip was just like tons of modulation that was asynchronous. And so like it never really repeated exactly the same. And then once I got um, all the tracks done in that fashion, so it's basically just like an endless loop. Then I sent it out into my, um, my mixer right there <laughs> and um and i like just performed it dub style just doing volumes in and out and have some effects on there and just like playing with effects on the, on the fly and um creating the arrangement through performing it live tactile and that i mean that part of it i just did in about like a week just doing all the arrangements and and that was it 
And uh, yeah, it was like a tight enough workflow that it all kind of happened really quickly and really easily. It was kind of the easiest album I've ever made, but I really feel like it's like the most intricate in some ways. Easy is, I think is, you, you know, you're at your place when it's easy. Yeah. Cause it's effortless. It's just, it seems to be more authentic that way. Would you, would you think so? Yeah, hundred percent. I don't think if anybody else tried to make this album, they would have thought it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's the thing. Sometimes like the easier it is, the, the people think it's actually really complicated. And sometimes the, the stuff that is looks super easy is extremely complicated. It's so weird like that. <laughs> it's, but it's true. It's, yeah. it's just like, I remember there was this song by Johnny D about, I don't know, like 15 years ago when it was kind of like a very good techno track and everyone was kind of bitching and saying like, oh, this is easy to do. And I was just like, no no this is really really complicated actually <laughs> it, and 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 your 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 album when i heard it it's like i can tell that there's like a flow and a simplicity into it but there there there's a, a thought process in developing a concept and that what's the motor of the concept of the album and that's where it sounds complicated in a way yeah, I, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's funny with projects because some projects are th that I'm I'm sure everyone has this shared experience. But some projects I have, I'll do, and like it was so hard to do, but it turned out great. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then some albums just like feel really easy to do, and they also turn out great. And um, the dif the difficulty you have in the process doesn't actually dictate whether or not the end result is going to be good. And I can say, if you remember, like, the first time we worked on an EP together. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was yeah, so it was complex. So it was so, so complex. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's funny, too. I, I found that a lot with collaborations with people. Um, and sometimes I'll have a really hard time collaborating with someone, and you just kind of keep at it with pauses in between. Mm -hmm. And then, and then at some point it just like clicks and you're like, oh, this is the way we're supposed to work together. And then mm. just blows mm -hmm. up. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This is, creativity is so funny that way. It's like. That's the thing yeah. that I, I, I like about music and video and, and dance or anything that is art related is if, you know, like we all try to follow a technique, a way of someone else, and eventually you find your own way. And through your own way, then you truly can express express yourself, and you find your own techniques. Mm. And I find that in that album, what was beautiful to see is because I've been following music for years now. I felt like you developed your own techniques. And maybe it was a chain of effect, or maybe it was a way you were sidechaining some stuff, or maybe a way you were sending your music to ascend, like a reverb or delay. But was there a, a technique that was almost uh, recurrent on all the tracks that you would say to, that was there? 
I, you, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to share kinda, like uh, your recipe? I've kind of, I kind of stumbled on this thing where, like I said, if I, if I figure out the workflow and the workflow is super strict, then there's a cohesion to a piece of work, an album, an EP or whatever, that's really noticeable. So, um, uh, this one, I, I'm trying to think if, if there's anything fancy I did on this. <laughs> um, well, actually, yeah, probably like the convolution reverb stuff. There was a lot of, um, just the way I use them, there was a lot of me using uh, a convolution reverb and trying to get like the weirdest convolutions in it that would just change the tone and the style and the texture of it without adding reverb in a sense, just giving mm. it an effect. And, and um, yeah, and then, and then after that, it would still sound dry because of the convolution that I chose and then mm. adding other reverbs on top of that. I'm kind of playing with that kind of thing. The, the, the small amount of percussion in this album does a lot of that. And I thought that was like really fun to play with. Mm. So is is there some kind of bank of impulse response that you found for that? Or did you make your own? Man, they're just like the stock ones. <laughs> <laughs> just like little secret, like go into the Ableton convolution and then like under experimental, there's like some amazing ones. Yeah, they're, they're um, good. They're good. They're, there's just so many out there as well. Yeah. Um, um, I like I've done I like, other, Yeah, go ahead. I, I've done other projects where I've, I've thrown in some... Uh, you know, custom made convolutions and stuff like that. But I think that's part of what made this project so easy is like, I didn't, I didn't do that much of a deep dive mm. so that I wouldn't lose the flow of like, of creating it. Mm. Cause sometimes it's really easy to get bogged down with going into it that deep and getting that granular and then you're like finally i made the perfect convolution and then you're like where was this track going <laughs> yeah um so i mean um yeah i also pulled from a lot of sound design stuff i had done um previously i think that's really important too right is like doing a lot of the sound design and setting things up ahead of time so that when you're yeah. in the space to just write, you can just write. Um, actually, one of the things that's in a lot of the tracks is recordings I took from your uh, Folk Tech Matter. Dude, nice. I love that thing. That is great. <laughs> it's, it's so sick. And um, actually, I had, I, I recorded it so much of it that um, I made an Ableton rack. I can share it with you if you want. So like I have like as many of the different sounds as I could make all in different Ableton racks and I can like sequence it in Ableton and it sounds like it's coming straight out of the machine. Mm, nice. Um, so that gives me the kind of like ability to like have the control over it because it's kind of not super easy to control but still like capture that essence and that tone and character because man that thing's got character. 
it's uh I, you know like the thing that it, that um seduced me the first time i heard it was the noise the just like the the yeah. it's noise it's noise floor that it has it's beautiful and sometimes i use that noise as a conv- uh, impulse response i just drop it in the convolution sure. um there's this guy uh gabor um i think he's from hungary uh, uh i don't know hungary and he um, he makes super good Maxim SP patches, and he also makes uh, impulse responses and and sound design. And he has made a bank of noise, just noise from different sources, tapes, machines, uh, and uh, he sells them as uh, as impulse response. And I got the idea from him. Then I got mm. the Foltec in in the in convolution, but. I find that the just dropping it and leaving it vanilla is a bit boring. So usually, what I what I like to do is to have an envelope follower on the wet dry, so that mm, nice yeah, so that the uh, the wet dry follows the incoming signal, which gives more the impression that the sound and the noise are glued together. If it's just wet, it's kind of static and engulfed i don't know how to explain but it's it's uh it becomes a bit boring i find it lacks uh vitality and energy and so with this envelope follower um it's it's beautiful that's a Um, cool trick um do you do you put just like a fat noise sample or does the you put like a noise sample that then decays like a reverb tail uh, there's no like I mean I I cannot tell you I do it this way because each project I would do it a little else. bit different yeah I would do yeah. it a little bit differently uh, but I usually cut the low end under 200 mm. and kind of focus on the mids and the, the highs um, but if I hear the Foltec noise I know I'm not doing it right yeah right. it has to be kind of as a soft blanket in the background that's kind mm-hmm. of how i like to, to to have it so there's it just you you want the sound to have like this other layer um there's a, a plugin called texture i forgot who made it um but it devious devious machines I think. I think it's devious machine as i use that one a lot in the album <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah it's, it's very good it. <laughs> yeah it's very good so i got the idea from the the envelope uh follower from that nice because totally. any synth that sounds too digital you just put texture over it and then you put like a, a pink noise a white noise and then kind of just follows and automatically becomes it feels analog all of a sudden you know what That's, i mean oh yeah totally i i use that thing so much <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i i resisted buying it for a very long time because what it does it can be done very easily in ableton with you can make your own rack but uh eventually they updated it where you could because I, I wrote to them and i said i would buy this but i cannot load my own stuff and it's pointless mm-hmm. and i guess we were maybe a bunch that told them that because they eventually updated that you can load your own stuff. And it was interesting after that to be uh, using it. 
and it's just faster than building your own uh jason would make like a machine that does that but i i don't have the patience to do that yeah you totally would yeah um yeah i i feel the same way with some plugins too where i'm like oh man i could totally just do this but then then it's a question of how much time am i saving and is it possible to make just one preset of it that i can pull into sessions and if it's like if it's not that simple and it is saving me time and the interface and interface inspires me then like and it's not too expensive yeah <laughs> then it's like okay let's go yeah go on whatever <laughs> i i think uh, i think whenever you can have a plugin that does um something that saves you time it's it's one thing but there's also uh the fact that your sometimes access presets that it comes with and then you know like there's a bit a lot of hate about presets and in the previous uh, episode i was talking about how presets are actually educational because they they see you do this this way and you're like oh okay cool and then you emulate that with other techniques and it it's you just up upgraded yourself like uh, you just learned something is there a plugin uh you, you you're sharing a few plugins you've used is there an a one that you maybe discovered while working on this or did you just went for everything that you had practice and learn in the last year or so um i i got timeless uh, mm. the fab filter delay um yeah. when i started doing this so that was a pretty big deep dive on that uh delay and that's kind of the context in which i would use that delay for most things i tend to not reach for it when i'm doing like mix downs or anything like that um i already have my go-to delays for all that kind of like technical needing to do stuff in the mix yeah um but that's a really good delay for just getting crazy and sound designing with because of the way there's all that modulation capability and it handles the modulation really well too it's not mm -hmm. It's not all these plugins that sound great when you start modulating all the parameters. <laughs> no, especially um, when you modulate like the time, uh, it just can make like these uh, chirping feedback noises and the timeless uh, as a good one. There's one that came out, uh, a delay from audio damage. Um, I forgot mm. the name. It's a gonna check check this um do you know you i'll get audio my damage? card ready <laughs> do you know audio damage yeah yeah i like those guys a lot um, yeah that's it's good what they do so um the delay that i'm talking about is called other desert cities oh yes heard about it haven't tried it it's great i what's good about it what do you like about it uh i don't know it's just i you know like i i remember when i had the um, uh the ad about timeless and i you were the first person i i went to and i said uh check out uh timeless it just came out timeless tree is out and you were like oh shoot i just want a delay so this is perfect and I bought it and I, I played with it. 
I enjoyed it. The only thing that I don't like is the interface. I find it to be frustrating. It doesn't give me right away the sound that I, I'm like, okay, you're supposed to be doing that. Why aren't you doing that? And uh, that really puts me like in a place where I don't like to use it for that. But yeah, it's not fast. It's not fast. And yeah. I need results quickly because you know how I work. I work fast and I need, I don't, I don't, I don't have time for 20 minutes of noodling around. So the the thing that I like about the uh, the plugins from Audio Damage is it's fast, it's clean, it's easy to control. It you don't get lost in multiple pages and and quirkiness of like details. It's it's pretty straightforward, and the results sounding beautiful. Uh, first time I heard uh, someone use it was Omri Cohen. And he was using it on a live uh, live stream on YouTube. And uh, I heard it, I was just like, okay, it's the granular part of it is beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it's not so expensive. I got it on discount. And I, I end up using that one the most with the Valhalla delay as well. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put that on my... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the Valala delay is the, the, the funny story about Valala delay is that I bought it because I was like, I don't need another delay. I'm going to buy it. I don't know why I'm buying it, but it might be useful at some point. I like to have multiple units and it's probably the one I use the most. And it's the one that I thought I would use less. It's, oh, yeah. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. I yeah. love that when plugins surprise you like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like Valala is whenever I feel like I maybe done and everything with it, I just discovered one trick and I'm like, oh shit, there's this that. It's it's great. Have you have you played with their plugins for your album? Um I uh in this album, no. Um no, I don't think I used any of them. I, I only have some of their free ones and I keep meaning to get more of them because they're just like unanimously raved about. That's yeah. Everybody loves the Valhalla stuff. That's good. Uh, with Gaz, it sounds awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Black Friday is coming up. We'll see. Yeah, the scary. <laughs> <Fire> Monday. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about your sources because your album's synth uh, and the low end, people don't don't know, but you know, um, your album is is dub techno, of course. And dub techno, the importance of the synths is super crucial. Although more and more, some dub techno that I like, people are now exploring different kind of synths. And uh, I was curious if you could tell us about the synths that you've been using on that album. Sure. Um, actually, we spoke about this when we did the Mutech thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, my main synth was Cypher by F Expansion. Mm -hmm. That was usually the synth that I started every track on. So wow, everything nice. really came out of that. And um, the low end, this was a particular thing that I did on... Um, a lot of the tracks when you were trying to talk about a stylistic technique, 
the low end was mostly just using ShaperBox and mm. using the time module mm. to like pitch stuff down. <laughs> it was that simple. And like, it, I, man, I would just play with that thing and like shifting things that did because it shifts it at different times, but it can also pitch it down. Mm. And then so I would get a melody going with um with cypher which has so many parameters being modulated all the time and is moving around so then you have that thing that's moving around but then the baseline is basically like a pitch down version that's also playing with like the mm. chopping and timing of it so it's all within the same key if there was a key um and it's in relation to that thing. And so as the cipher synth is like changing or growing or coming down or whatever, so is the baseline following it. Um, and it just made like really, like I like those kind of baselines that are hard to tell what they even are, you know? Um, in, where it's not a specific melody that you can like sing but it's just filling up that space in a really clean way and you're like wait you, you can't even like totally distinguish it from all the other elements i like doing that a lot too as like blending elements i find music uh electronic music can be really stale when i can hear all the individual layers so perfectly where it's like okay there's a 909 okay there's the 303 okay, there's the distance, <laughs> there's, there's the Juno. And you're like, okay, that's cool. But like, I like, I like blending sounds together where you don't even know where one starts, one is starting, where it's, where it's ending. Or like, you're not even sure if that baseline is its own thing or if it's part of another thing um, without it being just like a muddy mess either. So that's a really intricate, balance too right it's like creating like clarity in the fidelity and the mix down but um kind of blurring the lines between the different layers mm. i love that uh it it kind of i was listening to you and it it i feel like your description and the way you explain how you like those elements is exactly how i i want to make music in general where I get really bored when I am like, I see Ableton blocks, you know, like, okay, now the bass line's coming and then the kick is coming and, and then the claps are coming. I, I want to feel like sounds are coming in and I didn't know where it came from, exactly like you said. And I find like one of the best tool to do that is ShaperBox, uh, like you said. Uh, there's one thing for creating baseline now that you said uh, that the, the The picture is is super good. Uh, I, I don't remember. It's a time factor. It's called. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. If you get it alone, it's called time factor. Yeah. So there's another trick that is super cool, which is you can make baselines with the filter part, where you mm. you filter really really low and then crank the resonance. Mm. It makes a beautiful lush. Uh, oscillation is just like super nice and then this new module that appeared in shaper box which is the noise have mm. you tried it 
I haven't gotten the time to do the update yet. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> it's it's as if they they made the perfect environment to create dub. You can have like a one bar loop. You just play it in 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 Shaperbox, and then if you add all the stuff and and do your modulation properly, you can just say go. It's going to be generative music. It's going to be generative dub. Yeah, it's amazing. That thing has so many applicable uses. Yes. Like yes. I, I mean, I'll use it in crazy sound design as much as I'll actually end up when I'm sitting down and doing a mix down. Like it gets me out of sticky situations in a mix as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's so useful. Um, have you been making kind of baselines? Like I, I, as you were kind of describing that in my head, I'm picturing you use the noise module first and then you start going into like the filter and cranking the resonance and doing baselines like that. Have you tried that kind of thing? Ah, uh, it's difficult to say. I, I just drop all the modules and then I change the order and I usually end up adding an external LFO and then control parameters of the shaper box that are not uh, that you can't modulate inside. So I modulate with an external LFO that is the source for all things. So I'm playing with the wet dry, for instance, and certain elements. So, <laughs> I didn't even like, I, that never even crossed my mind because there's oh, so much modulation fine. in it that I, <laughs> I well, never wet, even thought, oh yeah, I should modulate more. <laughs> well, the, the wet dry for, for, for one thing, I find that to be very important to modulate. Uh, especially uh, with an envelope follower, for instance. So, you know, like for a pad, you know, like the envelope, you control the envelope and then you can just add more noise or, or just play with, you know, drum and, drum and bass style where just the, the filter opens up and then closes when the, uh, when the pad ends or something like that. So it's, and plus with the internal stuff, and like you said, it's, it becomes sometimes you have to be careful not to be too much. I don't want to be like, I don't know, Richard Devine, where it's like <laughs> a cyborg on LSD and you don't understand what's going on, but it's nice, but you don't understand. Yeah, that guy, that guy yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> and all his stuff is like, what is happening? It's like, it's yeah. so intense. <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, he's like, he's like at the other end of the spectrum of the you, you know stuck stuckhausen is someone that was obsessed with modulation and wanted everything to be always changing and modulation mm. and i i don't know where i saw that but apparently he i don't know if he wrote a letter or or he, he made an, an article in a newspaper but when the first album of plastic men came out in the early 90s he destroyed it. Like he just was like, this is shit. It's, nothing's happening. How can this be nice for people? Like he was mad because like there was not enough modulation. So Richard Devine would be his best friend because he's at the other end of the spectrum. And then the other, other end, you have like the drones that are just super lazy whales. And I, I find that you and I are trying to find our way right in the middle of that. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you have to add movement, but you also need something uh, concrete to anchor. 
mm. hear you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, as much as um, you and I are trying to avoid repetition, it's like an intrinsic part of every electronic music genre. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So there, there's <clears throat> there's something to be said for respecting repetition. <laughs> mm. And finding that balance between oh I'm stuck in a loop and 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 something hypnotic I don't know I tend well also because we both come from a techno background too yeah which is like extra embracing of repetition wait wait and, wait wait we're we're both coming from hip hop background <laughs> okay right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you want to go way back, <laughs> it, it is an influence. <laughs> it is an influence, right? Yeah, yeah. In the early 2000s, man, that's all I listened to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the, the hip hop, uh, the aesthetic of hip hop uh, is very close to techno in a way. And when you make the shift from, tech, from hip hop to techno, it's, it's totally relevant. And I find that uh, people that come to techno without that background are sometimes lacking the aesthetic, aesthetic part. Their music is soft and a bit dry. Sorry, I interrupted you, but I wanted to point oh, yeah. out that we come from, from hip hop. But what were you saying? I'm sorry. I just um, <laughs> went on tangent. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I like that. I like that point of view. Um, I definitely. I feel like I can, um, I don't know, when I'm looking for like mixing tutorials or something like that, I never shy away from guys that mix hip hop because it's like, it's still electronic music to me. Of course. Um, and I mean, I've also listened to a lot of bass music that like, man, so easily will switch up from one genre into another. And then all of a sudden you're like into hip hop tracks and like there's so much of that influence. Mm. um especially there um but yeah i don't know i think we were talking about repetition there, okay the thing about like the uh, the techno thing and that works with hip-hop too because it's so kind of um yeah it's loopy is <laughs> <laughs> like the, the we're, we're usually looking for like a, a some sort of like hypnosis mm. right there's something about um those four on the floor genres that really like induce like an entrancing hypnosis through repetition. Yeah. And which I find is really different from let's say drum and bass, break beats, dubstep, like what, and that kind of scene. There's a lot of similarities between, but like that's what I find is really different is in where those genres a lot of the time, obviously, there's going to be subgenres that totally don't work with what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but like, um, I find a lot of the time, it's it's kind of like trying to hype you up and be in your face and do these types of things that are trying to grab your intention instead of um, trying to put you in a state of repetitious hypnosis. Mm. You know. So it's like, there's like a certain amount of grabbing your attention with like, oh, we took the kick drum out. Oh, then we brought it back and like, that's cool. But like, 
um, too much of it and then it ends up being like really choppy and you don't get that hypnosis. I totally agree. And I find that sometimes if a song is filled with gimmicks and tricks, uh, first of all, it doesn't age well. Mm, yeah. Because there will always be someone that does it more than you and better than you. So you will eventually look and sound gimmicky. And second of all, I find that if you have to do a lot of bells and whistles and fireworks, it's because your song has nothing to say. Mm, yeah. But I mean, maybe that will be triggering for some people to say that, but that's kind of my interpretation. Sometimes I do mixing for clients and I'm like, there's nothing. It's it's hollow. There's there's absolutely nothing. And there's all these which is like, okay, cool, but the substance, man, that we need substance. We need something that when I finish a song, it's stuck in my head. And that I know the job has been done in a way where it will leave an imprint in people's mind. Mm. And totally. what you what you say goes perfectly along with that, where not trying to push it sometimes is more powerful than, than trying to impress. Yeah, I've been, I'm making um, a lot of techno now, and I'm trying to stay away from doing these really big breakdowns and buildups. Good. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> it's like, if the track is good enough, it's like just taking away the kick drum and bringing it back. It's so effective. It's like that already is like, it's big enough. And like, and, and you can add other little things to accentuate those little moments. But like, yeah, it's just kind of annoying because uh, I, I mean, I'm sure so many DJs just like kind of like skip that breakdown part because it's just like the audience in a set, right? Because the audience wants to dance. Like at some point you can't just continuously stop the beat to convene some floaty pads and then some risers. And... <laughs> well, well, let's let's face it. Those those big breakdowns and and big risers are mostly popular with DJs that love to be to make a show with their hands because they just leave the track and it's just it's on and they don't have to do much it's true look at <laughs> look at Jeff Mills Jeff Mills is not and never does that yeah he's working his ass off and just making shit happen and he I mean like you said I find that the you know like some of the best songs I, I've heard are my favorite. I won't say best because best is arbitrary. It doesn't mean anything. But my favorites uh, at the moment are I'm listening to some DJ sets and there's this track and it's the same pattern for seven minutes. I, I, I ripped it from YouTube because I wanted to study the track. And I was like, it's literally the same loop all the time, but just little changes here and there. And it, you can't get enough of it. It never gets boring because that's that's timeless. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> this so is like hard to make a loop you want to listen to seven minutes later. Well, there's kind of recipe in how you want to drop certain sound. You you know you have your repetition over one bar, you have some repetition over two bar, you have some repetition over four bar, and then you have like 
an element happening every two bar, every four bar. And if you just juggle with all these elements, you easily get your eight minutes. And it's there's always something happening and you don't have to force it. Hmm. Do you have like um, a template or something you go to for arranging uh, when you do more techno stuff? Because the process is going to be so different from like ambient and dub to like straight techno. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. such a different approach. Like because it's more it's more functional. It's like okay, I'm not just expressing myself. It's like it also has to function in a certain context. So like, do you find you, you, I don't know? Yeah, do you have a template or something? Or I had some. I had some, and I wanted to to share them on my blog at some point and I decided not to. Uh, but because I produce so much music, eventually the templates, I knew them by heart and I didn't really need them after that. But right now, the thing that I like the most is to make a song from one clip, one MIDI clip. Mm. That's fun because you- okay, explain. <laughs> so you take one clip and then you make one loop and then you do duplicate and then you change a few things and then you go from you do a duplicate again and then you go from one to two to four mm. and then you adjust a few things and then you duplicate it and it becomes eight and then you change a few things and then you duplicate it becomes 16 and then you change a few things and then you duplicate and it becomes 32 and then this one clip becomes an entire track that is really clever <laughs> so um is that what you did on the you sent me like podcast i don't know where that went um you sent me like an ambient thing you did for a podcast that was modular stuff yeah is is that kind of similar to what you did because that i don't know when you described that <laughs> i kind of feel like that's what i was hearing because i was hearing like a simple melody just like slowly evolve into something bigger actually no this is probably a really different technique but <laughs> but it, no you're right it's 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 basically the technique that i call the brain which is i will have this uh core this this the core or the brain of the song and then there's all the voices that receive the information from the brain but each voice as modulation or or modification from the incoming signal it can be probability it can be pitch shifting uh it can be a delay in the in, in the uh in the notes or it can be like slight randomization so all the notes are coming from the same core but they're slightly always changing and it's like my job as a composer or a performer when I, when I do that is to slightly change some parameters in each voices. Can be like the length of the notes, uh, can be the delay, um, frequency, like, you know, making it duller or printing. Uh, and sometimes like the simplest uh, idea is, is very uh, hypnotizing, like you said, more than if it's something really complicated because then you reduce the number of people that will really get it and really be into that to a very small amount of people. You kind of want to leave it open so you can reach more people. 
That's a really cool idea. I like that. Yeah. This, <laughs> uh, this kind of like top down thing. I feel like brain. Yeah. yeah. That's inspiring me to try more of that. I think I, I've kind of like tapped into that a lot in this amb ambient album I did. Where, uh, yeah, the, the one MIDI clip for the main synth, I would actually end up having as an input to a lot of the other layers as well to be triggering maybe the percussion or whatever. So that even though things are, um, have probability to them, they're still like, I don't know, a kick and a bass happening at the same time or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, but I like, I don't know, it's making me want to experiment <laughs> with that on a bigger level. Actually, I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm having this idea of like, maybe you, you've done this, but uh, the main clip that everything is coming from, the main brain idea, you don't hear it anywhere. Mm. So that part is muted, but all you're hearing is all the the stuff that it's feeding. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the brain is in is a MIDI, it's like a ghost MIDI channel. And yeah. the, the 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 voices are all other MIDI channels with like, I don't know, operator and cipher or omnisphere. And they all receive the information and then just change it. That's pretty cool. It's <laughs> it's fun. It's like it's you have if you listen to any song well not any song but a lot of song it's always like the same idea and all of no, the voices are interpreting that idea in different ways can mm. be a higher pitch lower pitch uh so uh, i mean it came to me like okay so we'll just kind of make a main idea and the beauty with uh, live 11 is that you can play with the probability as well which makes it super fun really really fun to yeah. play that's one of my favorite new features yes so, so i much. see we're coming to an end so um thank you so much for uh accepting my invitation and we will do this again to end this podcast we will be streaming a few snippets from your album and by the way, thank you so much for doing the video editing of all the, the, the work that you've done for me. People don't know, but you also did all the tutorials that, uh, that we made. You were the one behind. And uh, so I think we're a great team and it's such a pleasure working with you. So I wanted to thank you. It's my pleasure, man. Thanks. You've given me a lot in return, man. So that's great to hear, especially in the mastering realm. <laughs> right. <of> fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. So thanks again and uh we stay in touch. Sounds good, buddy. Bye. Thank you.